The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Live from our nation's capital. This budget thing is going to do nothing. Space Force, I still think it's interesting. President Trump not playing his cards yet. Headlines, policy, and politics colliding. Sound on with Kevin Cirilli. The insiders, the influencers, the insights. I would rather see a congressional solution. It's part of my DNA. The Senate map in 2020 looks a lot different than it looked in 2018. You really have a divide within Team Trump. The president has to do exactly what people sent him here to do, which is to get it done. This is Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. Breaking news this Friday evening. President Trump threatens to shut down the border as soon as next week. Will Mexico come to the negotiation tables on a deal? Meanwhile, Linda McMahon, she says that she is going to step down from the Small Business Administration. She's joining a pro-Trump re-election campaign effort. Plus, Brexit fallout. Did you see this? What's next for Theresa May as the UK edges closer to election after UK Prime Minister Theresa May's Brexit Brexit deal is rejected? And we have a special guest interview with Congressman Dan Crenshaw, a Republican from Texas, rising star within his party. Can he work with Democrats in a divided, polarizing time? Also with us in studio, I'm in New York, folks, in the New York studio, the mothership, Philip Bump national correspondent from the Washington Post, and Professor Brian Brenberg. He's chairman of the program in business and finance and associate professor of business and economics at the King's College in New York City. Before we get to all of that, it was just one week ago when we get the news, only a week ago, about no indictments being in the Mueller report. And flash forward one week later, President Trump saying this afternoon, I was actually we were broadcasting with the D.C. bureau chief on Bloomberg television. We get these tweets from President Trump and he says he's going to shut down the border, shut down the border or large parts of it unless Mexico comes to some type of a negotiation deal. It's why I'm so thrilled that we are joined by Philip Bump. He's a national correspondent for The Washington Post based out of New York. Right, Philip? Yes, sir. And we also have joining us uh, on the line Manny Garcia. He's executive director for the Texas Democratic Party. We're going to check in with him about how Democrats, especially down in Texas, are reacting to this breaking news today about President Trump's decision to threaten to shut down the border. And Professor Brian Brenberg, he's chairman of the program in business and finance and associate professor of business and economics at the King's College in New York City. And we're thrilled to have these all-stars with us for the panel. Okay, Philip, I want to play for you what President Trump had to say just within the last hour or so down in Mar-a-Lago about the tweet that he sent out earlier today threatening to shut down parts of the border as early as next week. Take a listen. So there's a very good likelihood that I'll be closing the border next week, and that'll be just fine with me. Will it be fine for, uh, I don't know, let's start with law enforcement officials. What's going to happen? 
Well, I mean, let's 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 take a quick step back and say he could do it as soon as next week. Donald Trump makes a lot of promises about things he's going to do in a week or two that end up not not actually happening, right? Uh, so you know, this is sort of let's let's wait and see. He's he's threatened in the past to shut down the border. I mean, it's clear that he wants to continue to take dramatic steps that suggest to the American public how seriously he takes the uh, the issue of immigration on the border. This 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 tweet, if nothing else, seems to reinforce that he's sending that message to people. But you're right; there would be massive ramifications. If, if we're talking about shutting down ports of entry on the border between the United States and Mexico, there's hundreds of thousands of vehicles that tra- you know cross the border in any given month. There's, there's an enormous amount of commerce. There's an enormous amount of stuff that goes back and forth across the border. If you're shutting that down, you're shutting it down, right? I mean, he said that he might leave some places open, but that has huge ramifications on commerce. It has huge ramifications on tourism. It has massive ramifications across the board, which may be reason that he doesn't do it in the first place. And it was kind of intense, right? Because here we are. Uh, earlier this morning, everyone around the world, the markets, are trying to make sense of what's going on across the pond with Brexit. And then President Trump sends out this tweet. I'll read it. Quote, if Mexico doesn't immediately stop all illegal immigration coming into the United States through our southern border, I will be closing, caps lock for closing, the border or large sections of the border next week. This would be so easy for Mexico to do, but they just take our money and talk. Uh, he goes on to, to say that we lose a lot of money with Mexico, especially when you add in drug trafficking and the border closing would be a good thing. Manny Garcia joining us from Texas. What part of Texas are you in, Manny? So I'm sitting in an Austin, Texas right now, actually just across the street from the Texas Capitol. Okay, so there we are down in, down in Austin, Texas. Manny Garcia, executive director for the Texas Democratic Party. How are, how are Democrats in Texas reacting to this tonight? Look, let me tell you, I, I'm originally from Bronzeville, Texas, on the Rio Grande, uh, in the Rio Grande Valley. Um, you know, and in the, in the valley, it's a beautiful, diverse community. Folks go back and forth from Matamoros, Mexico, to Bronzeville, Texas, every single day. Families live on both sides of the border. Commerce goes back and forth. Um, it's, it's a true regional network, and Mexico is our most important uh, trading partner. Um, and when Donald Trump sets Texas in his crosshairs and sets Mexico in his crosshairs, it's an attack on all of us. Um, it's an attack on our, on our families, on our jobs, um, and our, on our entire community. So, you know, for us, what we're looking forward to and what I think Texans are looking for is where's John Cornyn in this? You know, where are, where's Ted Cruz in this? Where are those Texans that are supposed to be big and bold in Washington, D.C., fighting back and telling the federal government, hands off our land and stop messing with our community. We're going to be hearing from one of those Republican Texas congressmen, Congressman Dan Crenshaw, coming up later in the program. Manny Garcia stays executive director for the Texas Democratic Party. We're talking about President Trump's threat to shut down large portions, if not all of, the U.S.-Mexico border. He made that announcement via Twitter earlier today and reiterated it within the last hour. Professor Brian Brenberg of the King's College in New York City. Professor what are the economic impacts should the president shut down the border? Uh, it's huge. I mean, we're talking about $600 billion of goods and services every year flowing across that border. If you shut it down, it's hard to even project what kind of effect that would have on our economy. You heard the president talking last night, he does all the time, about the strong economy we have right now. 
I do not see him wanting to jeopardize this economy that directly with a with move here. So we're hearing rhetoric from him. But when you look at the economic reality, I mean, it is not hypothetical. It is immediate. Hundreds of thousands of people, hundreds of millions of dollars per day in trade. I, I don't see that happening. Panel stays coming up. Congressman Dan Crenshaw, Republican from Texas. What does he make of the border fight? Remember, you can download the Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. You're listening to Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. TGIF, folks. TGIF. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Bloomberg News Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. Not in Washington tonight, though. I'm in New York City at the Mothership, the headquarters here in New York City. Joining us on the line to help us navigate through some breaking news this evening, which is President Trump's threat to shut down parts or even the entire U.S.-Mexico border as soon as next week is a congressman who represents uh, a portion of the state, uh, well, that's on the border, Texas. Congressman Dan Crenshaw, a Republican from Texas. Uh, he's also a rising star within the Republican Party. Congressman, thank you for joining us on the telephone line. We appreciate it. Your response tonight to President Trump's decision to shut down some of that border as early as next week. Hey, well, first of all, it's great to be with you. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not exactly sure how, how, how that would happen in, in practice. You know, he, he threatened to do this before. Um, and and it, it's more important to look at the reasons why we're even talking about such an extreme measure, and that's because there's actually a crisis going on at the border. We're on track to have 100,000 apprehensions, meaning illegal crossings at our border in the month of March. Okay, last month it was almost 80,000, so it's rising rather quickly. Um, so, so to say there's no crisis, to say this is a manufactured crisis, to say there's no emergency, that, that has long been debunked by simple numbers. Uh, we need to recognize this, and Congress actually needs to act. And that includes a few things. One, it's funding the actual physical barriers that the president wants, whether that's fencing or walls or whatever it is. The Border Patrol has long advocated for this, and they've already have identified various locations where they need it. It's not everywhere. It's not a 2,000-mile concrete wall like Democrats have lied about, and the media, frankly, has lied about quite a bit, as saying that's the plan. That's never been the plan. It's targeted. It makes sense. And it's a mix of that and technology and personnel. The other thing we absolutely need to do is reform the way our asylum processing works. Right now, there's incentives to bring children across because they know if they do, they will be released into the population and not have to come back for their actual hearing. That's really problematic, and it's a draw for people to come. We actually have to have a regulated immigration system. Otherwise, there is no immigration system, which is what it's looking like right now. Congressman Dan Crenshaw, Republican from Texas, joining us on the telephone. We're talking about the president's threats to close large portions of the U.S.-Mexico border as early as next week. Threats that he made via Twitter earlier today and reiterated to reporters down at his Mar-a-Lago resort in Florida. Congressman Crenshaw is a member of the Homeland Security and Budget Committees, so he knows a thing or two about the politics and policy of immigration. In terms of the economics, Congressman, of how a, a, a decision to, to shut down portions of the border, do you have any concerns about what that might mean from an economic perspective? Yeah, I mean, it would, it would, it would have quite an effect economically, I, I'm sure. Again, I'm not exactly sure how this, how this would work in practice. 
like I said, the uh, the president has, has, has made those comments before, and uh, you know we'll, we'll see if he really follows through with that. I think the point is is to get the Mexican government to take this seriously. Um, illegal immigration doesn't work for Mexico either. Let's, let's, let's not forget that that actually Mexican drug cartels are, are fueled by illegal immigration. They're full. looks like we're having uh, they some. They don't like. Oh, go ahead. We just we lo- you dropped out there for a second. Some some bad uh, reception. Go ahead. We we immigrants coming from. Central America to through the southern Mexico border either. Yeah, I'm driving right now, so sorry. Well, hey, we appreciate we appreciate you calling in while yeah. you're on the road. But let me ask you: yeah. when the president no says when the president says that he wants to have Mexico do something or to quote unquote get with it, as he said within the last two hours when he was to reporters in Mar-a-Lago, what would he like to see Mexico do in the short term that would prove to him that they are willing to negotiate? Mexico probably needs to help close their own southern borders, stop, stop helping these immigrants in caravans come across so easily, um, take their security concerns on the southern border seriously. Right now, drug cartels have complete operational control of that border. Uh, the Mexican government needs to take back control of that. And they need to tell us what kind of help they need. And if they need our help, we should partner with them. Mexico is not our enemy in this. Congressman Dan Crenshaw, I know you're busy. I know you're uh, you're literally, quite literally, on the road. So I do want to get your take, though, on the other developments today, which is that Attorney General Barr could release the Mueller report uh, to uh, Congress in sometime in mid-April. He sent that letter to uh, lawmakers on the House and Senate Judiciary Committees. More than 400 pages of this report, the president telling reporters that he has nothing to hide. Uh, what do you make of where the Mueller report and its release publicly or redactions and whatnot, where that goes from here? Well, as, as we all know, the conclusions have been have been made public, and I think that's the most important part. We're, we're definitely eager to see the entire report. We've all agreed that it should be made public to the greatest extent possible. Obviously, we have laws in place that prevent some of that. Um, it's really what the really interesting about thing about this is, is to watch the, the many of the Democrats um, you know, standing on their soapboxes, demanding transparency, as, as if we're arguing with them, right? I mean, they're arguing against no one, and it's, it's kind of it's almost entertaining to watch. Remember, we voted unanimously to actually uh, release it to the fullest extent. So I, I, I find the whole I, I find the whole affair to be quite bizarre, uh, but but mildly entertaining. But the reality is, they need to stop. They need to stop the spin. Okay, we all want to see the transparent report. I, I see no indication that Barr or the president is going to try and hide anything at all. We already know the conclusion, and uh, and they they really need to move on from this. I, I think this is not the hill they want to die on, but they appear intent intent on, on keeping this an issue. I think the American people are sick of it. Congressman Dan Crenshaw, Republican from Texas, rising star within the Republican Party. He also, of course, is a former. Navy SEAL and a member of the uh, important and crucial two important and crucial committees in Congress, the House Homeland Security Committee and the Budget Committees. Joining us uh, via the telephone, we appreciate, Congressman, uh, your time on a very busy, busy Friday evening. Coming up, we have much more on the Mueller fallout. Will it finally be made public? And the economic impacts of a host of different policy fronts from across the pond to the latest with Brexit and here in the U.S. should the president shut down portions of that U.S.-Mexico border. You can download the Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes, at the Bloomberg Business app, or at Bloomberg.com. You can also find us on Radio.com and iHeartRadio. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1.
What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. This is Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. What a week, folks. Look alive. It's Friday, Friday, Friday. And it could be worse. You could have a lot of uncertainty in your life, like UK Prime Minister Theresa May. Britain is edging closer to a general election now after Parliament rejected Theresa May's Brexit deal for a not once, not twice, but third time. And of course, this has deepened the political crisis that has overtaken the country's bitter divorce from the European Union. I'm reading from the Bloomberg Terminal about all of these developments. She really had a political gamble. She said, look, I'll step down. I'll resign. Just get on board with this deal. And well, politicians over across the pond said, no, we're not going to do it. And now there's a lot of uncertainty uh, because no one really knows what exactly is going to happen now. I think we're going to learn a lot over the next 48 hours. And our colleagues, Guy Johnson leading the charge over there for us in in the Bloomberg London Bureau, are going to be working throughout the weekend, no doubt. Uh, Theresa May, for her part, she told lawmakers following the defeat, quote, I fear we are reaching the limits of this process in this house. The pound weekend, heading for its worst month since October against the dollar. Philip Bump is a national correspondent for the Washington Post. Professor Brian Brenberg is chairman and associate professor of the program in business and finance at the King's College in New York City. Manny Garcia is with us down in Texas. He's on the telephone line. He's executive director for the Texas Democratic Party. We're going to be coming to Manny to get his response on the looming 2020 presidential. But first, I want to stick with this Brexit talk. And I'm Kevin Cerulli, of course, Bloomberg Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg TV and Bloomberg Radio. All right, Professor Brenberg. Yes, What's going on with Brexit? <laughs> That's the least fair question anyone could ever ask. <laughs> no anyone. one knows. I mean, it's like everyone, this whole, for the past three years, everyone's been like, oh, U.S. politics are crazy. I'm yeah. like, have you seen the right. U.K.? I, you know what? I, you said it earlier. This seems to me unavoidably that it's going to a general election. And if that's when, the though, case in a couple months, a couple years, when? No, I, I, well, not a couple years. I think it's more a matter of a couple months. And if that happens, now you are seriously talking about whether this Brexit thing happens at all. I mean, if the election really shows that the referendum was off and I, and by the way, that there, there's so much uncertainty there, as you mentioned. Uh, but we are actually talking about that because Parliament cannot get anything done. They yeah. can't get anything done it's on like worse Theresa Congress. May. They can't get anything done on and Plan B, C, D, E, F, G. There is nothing they can agree on. If that's the case, I don't see how you have any other option but general election. Brian Bremberg is chairman of the program in business and finance, as well as the associate professor professor of business and economics at the King's College in New York City, where I'm broadcasting from today at the Mothership Bloomberg headquarters. You were talking about next steps, Brian. On Monday, UK lawmakers are going to have a chance to choose their own preferences in a series of votes on Plan B options. Why should Americans right now, I mean, seriously, why should folks in their car driving home from work care about what they're doing in, uh, in, uh, on Brexit and, and the uncertainty that it's, that it's provided? 
UK is one of the most important allies we have in the world. The economic relationship we have with them is really important. And by the way, this has a lot more to say about the EU too, which again is an important ally for us, just geopolitically and economically. All of this speaks to the moment we're having when it comes to populism, populist economics. And that's not just a European issue. That's an American issue. Now, where did it start? Where does it end? I don't know. But we ought to be paying close attention because if we have designs in this country about radical change, we ought to measure how that radical change is happening in the UK. It turns out it might be a heck of a lot costlier and messier than some of the folks who are proponents of it right now are saying. It's just kind of crazy that they would vote on something but not know what they're voting on. I mean, I listen, politicians down in D.C., I have a lot of questions for them a lot of times, not just on the issues. I'm like, what were you even thinking? But like they've literally voted on something and they and now they might have to do it all over again because they truly didn't understand. It's just it's almost it's Kevin, almost so but, but, simple but, but, that it's confusing. But I think that happens all the time, actually. I mean, that happens in the U.S. In the, all the time in the U.S. I mean, when? these. The, Take the Affordable Care Act. Did it, I mean, whether you're for or against it, <laughs> how many people really understood the intricacies of what was happening there? Talk, I mean, talk about any of the policy proposals we have on the table right now. We have complication and we don't have clarity. You know, that is one of the things, and I'm, maybe I'm naive, but one of, the, one of the craziest things about being a reporter in Washington, Philip Bump from The Post, I know you know this, mm-hmm. when you actually interview a lawmaker about a major piece of legislation and they haven't read the thing and you're like, wait, you're, you were elect. Read the bill before you vote on it. I want to get down to Manny Garcia, executive director for the Texas Democratic Party. He joins us on the line. Manny, uh, thanks for for hanging with us. Uh, we just heard from Brian Bremberg, the eco professor at the King's College in, in NYC, about the populist politics across the pond. How are the populist politics playing in the Democratic 2020 presidential field, uh, particularly? amongst some of the folks like Senator Warren, Senator Sanders, and the rising insurgent stars like former Congressman Beto O'Rourke? Absolutely. Well, you know, one of the things we know and, and we hear from Texans as they're very excited about this race. We've got two of our own in, uh, two of our own Texas Democrats in the race, and we're very proud of Congressman Beto O'Rourke and uh, Julian Castro. Um, you know, we're hearing that folks want to know what are you going to do to change my daily life? You know, what are you going to do to protect my health care? What are you going to do to uh, do something to make sure that I have fair wages uh, for my work, that I have fair housing, that I have affordability and the, uh, the opportunity to get ahead? And, and that conversation about, you know, not, you know, what Donald Trump latest tweet, but rather, you know, what is the substantive plan that's going to be able to make a difference for my family um, is what's really going to come into light as we go further into this presidential debate. All right, panel stay. Speaking of populist politics, Senator Elizabeth Warren campaigning in Iowa, St. Marshalltown, Iowa, uh, saying that if Tim Sloan, now the former CEO of Wells Fargo, if he broke any laws, he should be, quote unquote, prosecuted. Populist politics, folks, it's here on both sides of the aisle. Remember, you can download the Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg business app. You can also find us on Radio.com and iHeartRadio live from New York. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. You're listening to Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. Friday, folks. 
we've made it to Friday, and it was a busy day. It was only a week ago. I can't believe that. Only one week ago when it was announced that there would be no other indictments in the Mueller probe. And now we're getting new headlines from the Attorney General, William Barr, that he could actually issue a redacted Mueller report to Congress by mid-April. That's right. Attorney General William Barr promised to send Congress a redacted version of special counsel Bob Mueller's Russia report by mid-April. What we don't know, will that be made public? How will that be handled? What we do know is that you can bet that every single staffer and lawmaker on the Senate and House Judiciary Committees, those are the committees that are going to get it, that they're going to have to sign their life away in terms of getting access to this and in talking with former staffers as well as current staffers who work uh, in relation with these committees, uh, they are fully going to be prepared, be prepared for that. President Trump's down to Mar-a-Lago for the weekend. He was asked about all this. Uh, He says he has nothing to hide. And we had earlier on the show, Congressman Dan Crenshaw. He's a Republican from Texas. And he reminded us about that vote the other week, 420 to zero, 420 to zero in the House of Representatives urging for the full release of the Mueller probe. So we might get it. We're still far from over from talking about this report. We also found out that the Mueller report is supposedly almost 400 pages. That doesn't include tables and doesn't include appendixes. I'm not making this up. It's from the Attorney General William Barr himself. Meanwhile, Brexit across the pond, it's a mess. We might get more developments on Monday. Theresa May, the UK Prime Minister, she said she would step down if they went on board with her divorce deal. It got rejected. So they're going to have to have a couple more votes on Monday. Our colleagues in London will keep us pegged on that. And President Trump, if that wasn't enough, he's threatened today to shut down parts or all of the U.S.-Mexico border as early as next week. If that happens, Manny Garcia, executive director for the Texas Democratic Party, who joins us via telephone, is going to have a busy week. Here for us in studio is Philip Bump, national correspondent for The Washington Post, and Professor Brian Brenberg. He's chairman of the program in business and finance and associate professor of business and economics at the King's College in New York City, where I am today on a Friday. I'm in New York. And I want to start with Philip Bump because I was checking out uh, a recent story that you wrote today, your byline on the Washington Post. Find it at thewashingtonpost.com. For the ninth time, President Trump celebrates hitting 50% approval. The president's approval ratings are doing pretty good. Yeah, I don't know if I got that. Right. <laughs> I'm I mean, an look, optimist. Yeah, that's fine. I that's look fine. for the bright side for everyone, no matter what party. Hey, so, so here's what I'd say. So we were talking at the beginning of the hour. We we're talking about this, the closing down the border, and you know, part of what he wants to do is he wants to send this message to his base. He always wants to send a message to his base. I'm working hard. I'm doing what I said. I, you know, I'm taking these steps. At the same time, he also wants to present this this image that he is this very popular, well liked president. And, you know, he says these things all the time on Twitter, and, but he he remarkably keeps coming back to the same data points from the same pollster. Rather. Rasmussen reports, which is a very friendly pollster to him. And so for nine times, he said, oh, I finally hit 50% in the polls. Because what he's trying to do is constantly project, I'm winning. I'm getting things done. I'm a popular president. I'm, I'm delivering for you guys. And that's why he does these things, even if it seems in the, the broad range kind of So, ridiculous. Philip, I'm on the Acela last night trying to get sure. up here to New York. And I'm, I've got like one attention tuned into the Gonzaga game, which thankfully they won. Okay. And then I've got my other attention on this speech that you couldn't escape because right. President Trump's out in Michigan 
in Cedar Rapids, I mean, and, and talking about what you just hit on, which right. is he's espousing that the economy is strong, that the right. trade policies and uh, are, are continuing to go uh, strong. But Manny Garcia, who joins us on the line from Austin, Texas, you're the executive director for the Texas Democratic Party. Can the president, I know you're going to say no, but can, can <laughs> so I guess you're going to say, I'm, I'm thinking out loud on a Friday. The president, you're going to say you disagree that the, that the economy is going strong, but how can Democrats make that point on the campaign trail uh, to, to make their case when the president is going to say, well, the economy is working so well? Look, re- regular folks uh, here in Texas, uh, one of the states with the most largest uninsured population in the country, a state with one of the most uh, highest number of minimum wage jobs, um, aren't seeing that in their, in their bank accounts. Um, instead, what they're seeing is chaos in Washington, D.C. Instead, what they're seeing is, you know, an apologist in John Cornyn for the president while Texas is in their crosshairs and while the relationship with Mexico, our most important trading partner, um, is in jeopardy and constantly is being attacked from D.C. Um, so what folks want to see here is they, they want to make sure that there is stability in D.C., that there's some sanity in the process, and that somebody's going to be doing something that actually changes their daily life from healthcare to their wages to their to their housing um, to their educational opportunity to move forward. And this is one of the reasons why you know Donald Trump has uh, done everything he can to put Texas into play. Texas is now the biggest battleground state in the country, and he's more unpopular here with a 41% approval rating. Uh, than in uh, just about every single battleground state. That's true. But, you know, you know just to play the other side, because we knew where Manny was going to come down on that, uh, the president can talk legitimately about great job growth since he's been president. He can talk legitimately about the strongest wage growth we've seen in about a decade. So when he goes to Michigan and he kind of touts the same thing over and over again, I get that. But, like, that's messaging 101. If you've got something you want to get across, say it, even if it's your 50% approval rating, like, I'd rather talk about that than the other things I don't like, right? I mean, right. can we fault him for that? No, no, that's fair. I mean, you're absolutely right. And obviously, this is what Trump does. He's a brand guy. He talks Trump. He talks about what he's doing well. But, you know, I do want to come back to this idea that just by talking about the economy is going to be this huge boon for him. We saw, actually, if you look at uh, right before the midterm elections, if you compare past historical election data about the popularity of a president and the strength of economy, based on popularity of the president – the Democrats were going to pick up 40 seats. If based on the economy, it was going to be a wash. And what happened? The Democrats picked up 40 seats. Why? Because at the end of the day, Democrats came out to vote against Donald Trump, right? They came out to vote about health care. They came out to vote for all these things. The economy didn't sway them. And so, yes, he can keep putting this message out there. But is it going to help him in 2020 when he's still Donald Trump and still that disliked? Yeah. It's a different question. You could argue, though, I mean, again, not to relitigate the midterms, but I think one of the critiques of President Trump and Republicans is they had no message discipline running into that, except they wanted to talk about they made a big bet on border security. And that turned out not to work. I mean, if he comes back and hits the economy hard time and time again with a Fed that seems ready to keep rates low with a trade deal that might happen, number was 20. Professor, I got I got to interrupt here because you mentioned the Fed and we've got a breaking news tweet from President Donald Trump himself. (laughs) He tweets, quote, had the Fed not mistakenly raised interest rates, especially since there is very little inflation. And had they not done the ridiculously timed quantitative tightening, the 3 percent GDP and stock market would have both been much higher and world markets would be in a better place, end quote. Well, Fed Chair Powell, if you were having a good Friday afternoon, <laughs> he's <laughs> used to that to by watch now. watch some basketball, you know, I mean, 
All right, econ professor from uh, the King's College in New York. I, I think Powell's so used to hearing stuff like that. It just rolls right off his back. Look, I mean, you know, is the president overstating it here a little bit? Probably, but there are a heck of a lot of people in finance who are saying, yeah, I think the Fed overshot itself a little bit last year. And now we're in this situation where you have people talking about a rate cut this year. The fact that we're even talking about that suggests the Fed probably got something wrong last year and might have had its projections off a little bit. So, you know, take him at his word all the way. I don't know about that, but the sentiment behind it, there's a lot of people in the know who would share that view. Those roars of thunderous applause are not from Duke fans, but from Stephen Moore, who probably (laughs) is loudly (laughs) applauding uh, that. Okay, I want to give our last word to uh, Manny Garcia, who's been very patient in uh, his time with us on uh, from Austin, Texas. He's executive director for the Texas Democratic Party. What about this trade policy? We've got a little bit of time left, but what do you, what about the trade talks? How is that going to play that populist streak uh, for for in this uh, Democratic field? Look, at the end of the day, uh, we are a border state. We're a state that relies on a strong relationship. Um, with Mexico, and we're, we're a huge economy in and of ourselves. You know, it's funny when Donald Trump wants to take uh, credit for the economy, but a lot of the jobs that are being created in Texas are in Dallas, which is run by Democrats, Houston, which is run by Democrats, San Antonio run by Democrats, Austin run by Democrats. Uh, in fact, just about every major city is run by Democrats, with the exception of Fort Worth, and we're about to take that one pretty soon. Um, so, you know, when we, when we look at that, uh, it's going to be very important that as, as we move forward, we have a president that actually understands the deep relationship uh, that we have with our trading partners and is no longer putting in jeopardy this relationship uh, with every single tweet that can come out in every hour. And we should note that the border might shut down next week. And on April 3rd, I believe, the Chinese vice premier, Leah Leo Hua, is going to be uh, in Washington, D.C. This after Secretary Mnuchin and Trade Representative Lighthizer have been over in uh, China negotiating with that. Yes or no to the Professor Brian Bremberg. Will there be a U.S.-China trade deal announced when Leo Hua arrives in Washington? I don't think so. I think we'll get one this year, but not then. All right. My thanks to Philip Bump, national correspondent at the Washington Post, Professor Brian Bremberg over at the King's College in New York City, and Manny Garcia, executive director for the Texas Democratic Party. Also, a special thanks to Congressman Dan Crenshaw, Republican from Texas, for joining us earlier in the program. That's it for me. Have a great weekend, everybody. You can download the Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes. Find us on iHeartRadio, Radio.com, and the Bloomberg Business app. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.